Welcome to Conversations with Anne Elizabeth, the podcast inspired by my book, I'm a Registered Dietitian, Now What?, where I have the absolute joy to sit back, relax, and have a conversation about nutrition with a variety of people who share their personal story of passion and purpose, especially registered dietitians. Today's conversation is with Allison Trofe, a registered dietitian who specializes in eating disorders, sports nutrition, and is passionate about helping individuals develop a healthy relationship with food and their bodies. At the end of April, I headed to the beautiful state of Michigan to speak with the Michigan Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics during their annual meeting. Each time I travel, I love having the opportunity to meet new people and hopefully podcast with them. Allison became my new friend in Michigan, and we had the best conversation. Her passion for sports nutrition and eating disorders come from a deeply rooted personal experience in both. She was a collegiate athlete who struggled with her own eating disorder and shares her story of recovery and her purpose of helping individuals like herself. She bravely started her own practice and is now living her professional dreams. Allison provides a lot of great insight and advice on starting a private practice and sincerely shares it all from a genuine personal place. Please enjoy my conversation with Allison. Hinted to that when we briefly talked at the meeting, you're like, I've got too much stuff going on and I need to figure yeah. out how to how to kind of balance that. So yeah. maybe you can share with me all the things you have going on because I know that you do so many different things and now you're in baseball season. So maybe yes. yeah, let's start with, you know, what are what are the day-to-day of Allison's life? Okay, perfect. So um, I guess I'll just give you a little bit of a background on what 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 my career yeah. kind of looks like right now, where I have my my hands, what kind of projects I have going on. So, um, you know, the biggest thing is I do have a private practice um, that does focus it's sports nutrition and eating disorders. Those are kind of my two passions with with sport, with nutrition in general. Um, and that's, you know, that is kind of, which I know you understand this, that's been kind of my baby. Um, and I, I absolutely love that. I love helping people on an individual basis. And, um, I work a lot with like local, local teams and clubs. Um, and that has just brought me so much joy. That's, that's honestly the thing that I, that I enjoy the absolute most. I think just because it's, my own thing. It was my own project. And I, and I, you know, I did it, um, cause I knew that, it, that I honestly, what I knew is I probably wanted to be my own boss someday. Okay. And, um, and that it's just, it's, it's so cool to see something that you've done on your own kind of come to life. So that's, that's my biggest thing that I'm, I'm putting, um, a lot of time and effort into. Um, and then I work part-time for the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, so they hired affiliate dietitians this year to, to be with all their, um, their, uh, minor league teams, their affiliate teams. So, uh, the Lansing lug nuts are here in Lansing. I'm in Lansing, Michigan. Um, and so I work, that's a part-time position. So what that looks like is we are at every home stand. So every home game, we are at the field with the team. Um, and that really varies. It's, you know, some weeks, they are so right now we're at a six day homestand. 
So I'll be with them um, from, it was started on Tuesday and I'll be with them until Sunday. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So it, it, it's, so it's, it's some, some weeks are really light. Some weeks are, are really heavy. So this is a heavier week. Whereas next week they'll be traveling. So I, I'll have more time for my private practice. So, you know, it, it's, it kind of depends. My schedule changes all the time. Sure. So those are the two big things. That's where most of my energy is going right now. Um, I do a little bit of contract work with, uh, there's a cancer. It's actually a, um, it's a cancer center that does radiation um, in Lansing. It's actually in East Lansing. And I go there probably, honestly, no more than twice a month. Once or twice a month, I go there and I just see their head and neck cancer patients. Oh, wow. Um, and that, that, that has, you know, I feel like that has brought, um, it's kind of, I feel like it kind of grounds me because, you know, all day long I'm working with athletes and I'm working with um, active people and people, you know, just more like general wellness. And then I go and do this more clinical type work once in a while and these people are very sick and it's, it's really humbling, um, you know, and brings me back to kind of my clinical um, roots um, and very rewarding too, because if you know, you're helping these, these patients that end up having to need a feeding tube and um, you know, to see them be able to start eating again and all that, cause you've helped them through that process. It's really rewarding. So I do very much enjoy that as well. Um, and like I said, that's not taking up a ton of my time. It's a couple times, a couple times a month. Um, and then I do, I, I am on the, the, the Michigan Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. I, uh, right now I'm on the board because I am the, um, the conference co-chair. So we have an annual conference, which you spoke at, yeah. um, that I help to, to plan and put that together. So that will start taking up. That our, that conference just got over, but I am the chair for the 2019 conference now, so that will start taking up more of my time, probably starting in June or July. Sure. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I guess, like, I I think about all these things. That you're, so is that all that? I mean, not all. Oh my gosh, that's a ton of stuff that you're doing. Yeah. But is that kind of where you spend most of your time in those kind of four areas, then with the yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, you have such like a said, variety. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The majority of my time right now is going into baseball and then my private practice. So, um, that's, that's right now I'm juggling, um, uh, most of my time, most of my efforts are going into those two things. And, um, you know, it'll kind of shift once baseball season is over, which will be, uh, you know, in the beginning of September, and, you know, we'll kind of see what happens with that because we don't, you know, I don't know if, um, that position will be extended or kind of what's going on with those. So it'll, it might, it might change, but that's, that's what's going on right now. Yeah. So did you always know that you wanted to kind of go into sports nutrition and eating disorders and helping athletes? So yes and no. Um, I guess I'll, I'll go back to when I kind of knew I wanted to be a dietitian. I, um, there was a couple things. Um, number one, my grandfather, I think I was a, I think I was, I was a junior in high school and my grandfather was sick. You know, he had like emphysema and, um, just some, some cardiovascular issues and he was in the hospital and they lived 
north in Michigan, um, not the UP, but but north. And so they were they were at this very small hospital up there. And I remember going to visit him, and he had a dietitian come in, and she was she was kind of just talking to him about um, you know what are the foods he wants he should be including, what are some of the foods maybe he should he should avoid, and. Um, I was like, wow, that's actually kind of interesting. I didn't even know that was really a thing. And I talked to her, she was leaving the room and I was like, Hey, can I, can I just talk to you for a minute? I kind of want to see what, like kind of talk to you about what you do, how you got to where you are. And so we kind of chatted for a minute. And then once, once he was leaving, she actually gave me a binder that had like some resources in it of information about, you know, different like diets for disease, like chronic disease and that kind of thing. And so I remember reading through that and being like, this is really cool. I kind of want to do this. And I was an athlete. I was a gymnast my pretty much my whole life. Um, and I dove as well. Um, I mean, my sister rode horses. So we were always just, you know, we were just active kids mm-hmm. and sports at that point was my life. And so I remember thinking, wow, I could, I could help people, especially active people learn you know, help them understand what they should be eating. So fast forward, and I um, started at Michigan State. That's where I got my undergrad. And I originally went into kinesiology. And I did kinesiology probably most of my freshman year. And then people kept telling me, oh, you're not going to be able to get a job. You're not going to be able to get a job. Oh, and I, I know. And I, I don't know why that was like the the what people thought back then because plenty of, of my friends went into kinesiology and have jobs now. So I don't know what happened, (laughs) but but so I, I remember being like, Oh man, I should probably switch my, my major. And so at that point also, I should say I was a gymnast um, at Michigan state. I did. I, I walked onto the the team at Michigan state my freshman year. Um, So I was a gymnast, you know, still an athlete knowing that I wanted to do something around like, sports and movement um and but the kinesiology thing i would kind of you know kind of get steered away from that so um i talked to one of my best friends who you met at the conference amy vasella she actually introduced you yep and she was she was a year ahead of me also at michigan state and i remember talking to her one day and i was like just asking her, like, what do you, what are you, what's your major? Like, what are you going into? I, I'm really kind of confused about what I want to do. And she was actually double majoring in dietetics and kinesiology. And I was like, okay, so tell me more about this dietetics thing. And so she was telling me about it. And I was like, that's what I want to do. That sounds awesome. And it kind of took me back to that when I talked to that dietitian. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. And so... Um, that's kind of how I, I ended up switching my major and started going into dietetics. And so I will tell you, um, this isn't a story that probably a ton of people know, but what ended up happening, happening with me is I had uh, a career ending injury in gymnastics. Uh-huh. And yeah, so my freshman year, that was kind of the end of my gymnastics career. Um, I was very, very blessed that I was able to, I ended up switching. I actually ended up um, switching to diving. So I did dive my sophomore through my senior year um, because I dove in high school as well. So once I was done with gymnastics, the diving coach was kind of like, Hey, I I heard that you're, you can't, you can't compete anymore. You can't, you know, can't be a gymnast. Um, How about you come walk onto the diving team and, and dive for me? And so I ended up being able to do that, which was great. But at that time, um, a lot of, there was a lot of compounding factors, I think. Uh, number one, 
I was learning a lot more about about nutrition. I was learning a lot more about dieting, which, you know, isn't something I love about undergrad that I feel like we really get taught how to diet and how to diet. Totally agree. Yeah. And so I was learning a ton about that. And just, I think the end of my career, um, you know, kind of sort of my identity, you know, kind of trying to figure out who I was without being a gymnast. Um, I ended up developing an eating disorder. So I did have an eating disorder in college. Um, for probably, I probably started pretty severely my sophomore year and went until I really went until my, my dietetic internship. Um, but one, I mean, there's obviously good things that came out of it because being completely recovered now, that's why I'm very passionate about helping others that are struggling with this and especially athletes. Cause it's literally exactly what I went through. Um, but another good thing that came out of it was I actually got to work with the sports dietitian on campus. Um, I was referred to him because I was an athlete and was clear that I was struggling. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I worked with him quite a bit uh, just throughout what was going on, you know, with, with my eating and that kind of thing. And then I realized that's really when I realized, okay, I know I'm going to school to be a dietitian. um, And I, I really want to do what he does someday at that, you know, at that point in my life, I was, I was, pretty sick that it was kind of like, Oh, I just want to get through school and move on. But I always knew in the back of my mind that I wanted to, to get back to, you know, working with athletes in some way. So that's, that's kind of what, what drove my, my um, passion to wanting to become a dietitian and then knowing that I wanted to work with, with athletes. That's right. an that was a really long story. <laughs> No, but I think that that personal connection, I mean, that you went through, you know, being an athlete is hard. Going to college is hard. Putting them together is even more difficult. And then, you know, that's where I think sometimes those eating disorders do kind of happen. And then living through that, but then finding, you know, finding your journey of healing yourself and getting help from someone who inspired you. And now you're going to pay it forward and do that for other people. So I think that's a great story to tell because it's who you are and why you are, why you're doing what you're doing today. Right. And I know I'm not alone. Um, it's unfortunate. I, I hear a lot of dietitians that have had eating disorders. Um, you know, and I don't know if, if it's because like I was saying, because we do learn so much about, about food and dieting and what food does in our body. You know, I do feel like some of that might've contributed. Um, And I've heard other dietitians say that too. They felt like um, they didn't get enough schooling or or education with uh, about eating disorders and, you know, more like health at every size and and that kind of thing, rather than just teaching, teaching us how to diet, how to diet others. Um, So I'm sure there's a lot of factors that went into it. And and like I said, I, I know that I'm not alone in that, that there are dietitians now that have have struggled as well. When you think about when you think about the dietitians that you know that have struggled struggle with eating disorders, what do you you know when you think about a certain number? Do you think like more than half, seventy five percent? Because I think about my friends too, and I'm like, I think about the my peers and coworkers that I know. I would say at least over fifty percent have had some struggle with some type of an eating disorder. Yeah, I would say probably close to fifty percent. Yes, and you know it's it's 
um, it's unfortunate that in our country it's not it's it's just so prevalent, you know, and maybe it's not a, a clinically diagnosable eating disorder, but but absolutely disordered eating. And I would say, you know, even the, the majority of my clients that come see me, um, not so much athletes, you know, because I in my private practice, I work a lot with with youth athletes. Like I said, high schools, middle school, even middle schools, a lot of clubs, that kind of thing. But I do general wellness as well. So I'll see people that um, are just starting an exercise program and maybe um, they are going to the gym and they're like, now I kind of need to know how to eat. Uh, so though I see those, I see, um, you know, general population people as well. And a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of the people I see, and not only women, um, have disordered eating. And so, um, I, yeah, I would say well over 50% have had, if not, I would say more disordered eating than, than a, you know, clinically diagnosable eating disorder, Mm -hmm. which is, oh, for sure. It's just, it's just the way it's, you know, comes with, uh, weight stigma and, you know, the way that our, our country perceives, perceives weight and bodies. It's, it's sad. It's too bad. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's sad that that has to be an issue for people. And it's awesome that you felt so, I mean, so when you kind of got done with your schooling and your internship, did you, did you start a private practice right away or did you kind of work in some different areas? Cause I know being passionate about that, it's hard you just can't go find a job that fits, you know, those kind of two passions that you have. So, right. how did you, which is, which there totally should be. So I'm glad you're navigating that, which is great. But how did you kind of get to that private pe- practice um, decision? Okay. So, yeah. So after I graduated from, from Michigan State, I, you know, went the traditional route of getting an internship. Um, I was placed in uh, Virginia at Virginia State University, um, which is in Petersburg, Virginia, and it's a very small. Yeah, it was very small. There was literally like eight of us. Um, but I loved. Oh, it. really? <laughs> I, I loved it because I came from Michigan State, where some of my classes were, you know, three hundred students. So coming from you know three hundred students in a class to having eight of us was like the complete opposite, and I think it was a really good choice on my part to do, to do something a little bit more like that. Um, so like I, like I said, I, I was still struggling with my eating disorder at that point. Um, which, you know, is, is when I look back at it now, I realize how much it, it did affect my, not maybe not so much my motivation, but just my, my mental space, right. Where I was mentally and, and how much effort I was able to put into other things. Um, it, it really, it, it, when I think back, it just, it's, I, 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 a part of me thinks, well, I probably could have been doing a lot more um, earlier on in my career, but I wasn't in the right space to do that. I needed to get healthy first. So what happened was I did get through my internship. It wasn't more of an accelerated program. So it was, um, I think it was nine months, which most of them are, you know, a year. And then if you do a master's degree with it, it, it they're two years. Um, so I did get mine done in, in about nine months. And then, uh, you know, I was really gung-ho about getting started. I wanted to get, get out there. I wanted to start my career. I wanted to start making money. Because as you know, and the internships are unpaid. Oh, yes. So, it's lovely. Yeah. <laughs> so I just wanted to start making money. Um, so I started applying 
And so at that point with, with my eating disorder, um, just kind of give you some background. I was going through treatment. Um, I never did inpatient treatment or anything like that, but I did do, uh, I went to counselors. Um, I went to therapists, you know, that kind of thing. The one thing I never did, uh, I, I did not go see a dietitian. And I think it was because I felt, I felt almost, I guess the shame, you know, there is shame around struggling with an eating disorder and shame that I was becoming a dietitian and not wanting that to, to affect, um, my career. And, and now knowing what I know now, there are plenty of dietitians that go see dietitians if they're struggling. So it absolutely would have been okay for me to do that. But at that point, it just didn't seem, didn't seem right to me. So um, so I was going through treatment and I, you know, I, I passed my dietetics exam and then, um, like I said, wanted to get started right away. So I ended up getting my first job in a, um, I did do long-term care. So I did clinical work. Um, I was splitting my time between a company that was in Virginia and North Carolina. So I lived in North Carolina and two days a week I was driving, um, about 45 minutes to Virginia and working in the facility there. Then the other three days a week, I was working in a facility in, in North Carolina. So I did that for about a year. And then um, the facility I was working at in North Carolina actually opened up a full-time position. So I ended up moving to the facility in North Carolina full-time. So then I was there for about another two years. So overall, I was there for about three years. Um, and then that was when I did a lot of the hard work with my eating disorder and, and, um, going through treatment and that kind of thing. Um, and that's where, when I, like I said, when I look back now, it was like, I needed that almost to get started in a, in a job like that. That wasn't, I mean, I don't want to say it wasn't hard, but it wasn't as involved as I am now with everything. Um, work on your treatment and take care of your health exactly. and focus on that. Exactly. Yes. Cause if, what I'm doing now, um, it wouldn't have been possible, you know, with just everything, everything that I have going on. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think it was actually really good for me to take a job that was, that was like that, that was more clinical. That was kind of the same thing every day. Um, you know, same hours. Mm -hmm. I wasn't at that point, I wasn't doing anything extra. Um, and I, that was really because I needed to, I needed to get healthy. I needed to get, get well. Um, and so, through that process um, of getting better, I actually ended up um, realizing that I, I really didn't want to do clinical. There was other things that I, I had passions in other areas and it was coming back to this, you know, this sports nutrition um, and working with active people and that kind of thing. So I was, again, we're going back to my friend, Amy, that you met. Um, I was talking to her and telling her that, you know, I'm really thinking about uh, looking for another job. And I, I don't know if I want to, if I, if I need to, if I want to stay here, if I want to move home. And she was working at the, the dairy council at that time. So there's um, the United Dairy Industry of Michigan here, here in um, Lansing, Michigan. And she said, well, I think we actually are going to have an opening soon. So she let me know when that was and I applied and I got it. So that's how I ended up getting back to Michigan. So after I accepted that position, I moved back to Michigan and started there. And what I was doing there was working um, more with, it was more community-based. So I was working more in the community. I was working with other health professionals. I was doing some sports nutrition stuff. So we had like some chocolate milk grants for high schools. And we have 
we had fuel up to play 60, which is working with kids that are active. Um, so I was doing more of what I, what I wanted to do. Um, so that is what kind of got me back into working more with the community in sports nutrition. And then, um, when I was there, I went back to school. So I worked, I was working full time and went back to get my master's and I got my master's in exercise physiology. So, Oh my yeah. gosh. So that kind of <laughs> Good for you. So then that kind of um got me really thinking again, okay, I definitely want to do sports nutrition. Um and it's, you know, especially going through the exercise physiology program, you know, that that really kind of brings you back to okay, now this is how the body moves and I'm also a dietitian, so I was learning a lot more about about that and getting back to to um you know, getting more of that education behind that. Like I was when I was originally doing kinesiology. So, um, so I was at the dairy council for about three years. And then from there, I went to a food service management company in K-12 schools. So I was, um, this was more of a corporate job. Um, and this was working with schools, uh, in Michigan and Ohio. So I had about 180 schools that I worked with. Uh, so I was in my car a lot. I was driving a lot. Um, and what I did is I helped schools with, um, so we came in and managed their food service department. So I was helping them with uh, USDA regulations, you know, doing some some kind of like wellness events. I was doing um, when they have their, their audits. So you, the, the state agencies will come in and do audits on the food service department. So I was helping with that kind of stuff. And then also doing some sports nutrition so I actually helped that company develop a sports nutrition program for high school athletes specifically. Um, and I was there for, it was just over two years. And while I was there, I just realized pretty quickly that the corporate world was just not, not where I wanted to be. Yes, not for me. Um, it was just um, just different from what I what I knew I wanted to be doing with with my life. So when I was there, um, that's when I got some of my specialty hours for the to sit for the it's the um, the specialist in sports dietetics um, uh, program. So there's there's uh, with through the CDR there is um, you get specialty hours and then you can also you sit for the exam. So it's the CSSD credential. Um, and at that point I felt like I really needed that to, to be credible as a sports dietitian. So I did some shadowing. Um, some of my, some of my hours from my master's degree did count towards that, which was great. Um, but I did a lot of shadowing. I shadowed, uh, the Detroit, uh, Red Wings dietitian. Um, I was also doing some, some stuff at my local YMCA, like just working with, with active people. And then some of my hours counted from, um, just working with athletes with like at UDIM and, and um, my, my other job at, at the, the corporate job. So I was able to get all of my specialty hours, which I think was 1500 or 2000. I can't remember right now, but anybody, it was, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot of hours. That is a lot. Yeah. And then, so after I had my hours, I sat for the exam, um, passed that exam. So that's how I kind of got my, my, that specialty, um, sports dietetic certification. And then after that, that's when I was like, okay, I, I really need to rethink what I'm doing and think about doing what I want to do. So I started my private practice when I was still working full time. 
I was still at the food service management company and on the side, just, you know, opened my LLC, did all of that work in the background with, you know, started getting credentialed with with insurance and um, was just kind of doing that on the side. And And that takes a lot of time, doesn't it? Kind of getting all those kind of moving parts in place just to make sure you're ready. It to does. Go. Yes. There's a lot of, I, I'm very blessed and thankful because my husband also owns his own company. So he, yeah. Oh, yes. That he, is, he is probably the most supportive person when it comes to this. My parents thought I was crazy. Um, my husband was like, my husband was like, go for it, do it. This is what you want to do. And I think it's just because he has that same mentality of um, being a small business owner and and understanding, like I said to you earlier, how cool it is to start something and see it grow. And it's your own. You know, nobody's telling you what to do. Nobody's giving you resources. You're completely doing this on your own. And so I started it on the side and I was, I was, so I was sort of seeing some clients and I was still working full time. Um, and what ended up happening, how I ended up leaving my full time job was, I was um, I, I joined a group called the Collegiate and Professional Sports Dietetics Association. So it's just another small dietetics group for people that work in college and professional sports. And I was on that group. There's they have like an annual conference where you can go network and and you know watch lectures and that kind of thing. But they also have a listserv where um, people bounce ideas off of each other. They talk about if they have any like like. Um, really specific athlete cases that, that they can't figure out. And then also they post jobs. So there was a job posted with uh, CCM hockey. They make all the hockey equipment and it was just for uh, the summer. And it was going to CCM puts on these skills camps for youth athletes. So they were putting on these skills camps um, all across the country. But it, for me specifically, it was, they were doing, uh, the East Coast. So they were doing from like Boston to Chicago. And there was, they were, I can't remember if we did six or seven of them, but um, they were um, hiring contract sports dietitians to go to these sports camps and work with these youth athletes and do sports nutrition. So I applied for that and ended up getting that. And that's when I was like, you know what? I have my private practice. There's obviously contract work out there that, that um, will come along. And that's when I left. So I left my corporate job and um, that summer I worked with CCM. I had my own clients and then it's crazy. Just contract work kind of came out of the woodwork, like the cancer center and other things um, just, just kind of popped up. It's really interesting. Um, I tell everybody this, once you kind of put yourself out there, things just come like some people I've, I've, I've had other dietetics friends that have been like, I really want to start a private practice, but it's scary. I don't know if I'll have enough work. I'm like, well, you might not have enough work in your private practice at first, but once you're not tied down to like a full-time thing, if, if that's not what you want and you put yourself out there, it's amazing the how things just come at you. And that was my experience 100%. So then I started getting so much, so much work that I was like having to turn things away. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's. That's good to hear, though, because I think you're right. I think a lot of people are very scared about taking sure. that leap. Yeah, and it is scary. I mean, it was really scary, um, especially, like I said, because my husband owns his own business, too. And so, you know, having two people that are self-employed, that's not ideal. Um, 
But also no. <laughs> it works for us. Cause like I said, he gets it, Like he completely gets it. Um, and I couldn't ask for somebody that's more supportive and is like, go, you know, go, go for your dream. Don't just stay somewhere because it's comfortable. That's good. That's good that you have a good support system. Cause some people don't like you said, your, your parents are probably like, what are you doing? We don't get this, but then you have him to encourage you and to take chances and you need those people in your life. Right. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's very, my parents came from a different generation, right? We, my husband and I were, I I would call us old millennials. Um, (laughs) We, we, it's different now. I feel like the generations are different. I think um, the millennial generation, they are wanting jobs that are fulfilling and they want to be doing good work. They want to, to give back. I feel like, and not that our parents, my parents didn't want to, but you know, in their generation, they more stayed at jobs that were, that were reliable and comfortable. I mean, both my parents were at the same job for, you know, 30 plus years. Isn't that amazing? And that's, and that's very uncommon nowadays. I mean, look at me. I've been, this is, I've been in four different jobs. And you, and that's what I love about you because you've done so many different things and you try to figure out what it was that you wanted to be doing. And right. I think that's a good message too, is that you don't have to stay in the same job. You can try different things, find out what you want to do. Right. And I would say to anybody, any dietitian out there that's kind of um, thinking, you know, well, yeah, I kind of do want to do my own thing, but you're not quite there yet. Um, I don't think it's a bad thing to kind of feel different opportunities out because I will say every job that I've had, has helped me and where I am right now. Just just as an example, with for with the baseball team, um, some of what we do is is food service related, and I have that food service background. You know, in my private practice, I work a lot with youth athletes, and working with kids at the Dairy Council helped me a lot with that. So, everywhere I've been has kind of set me up for where I am now. Your journey, your journey was figured out before you even knew it. <laughs> it's- and that's, you know, there, that's why I'm like, it's, there has to be some other force helping me here because everything has just kind of seemed to, to come together with exactly what I want to be doing. Because now where I am now, um, I, I will probably never give up my private practice, no matter what happens. Like I was saying earlier, just because it's something I've built on my own and I put so much work into it and it's so fulfilling, um, this is that'll definitely be something I will do for the rest of my my nutrition career. And that's so great that you that you can say that. You know what I mean? Like you've come so far, you've you've done so many different things and you're like no matter what, I'm going to keep my private practice. Even if there are times that I have a few clients or I have too many clients, I'm going to keep doing it. Right. Well, I mean the perfect example is um when I was in I went to uh, Florida for spring training with the, the baseball guys um, for, I think I was there for 50 days or 51 days. I can't remember. Um, oh you know, that's not ideal when you have clients back at no. home. <laughs> no. How did you, how did you work with that? So a lot of my clients, I ended up, um, my regular clients, I just switched to, we just did telehealth or we just talked on the phone. Um, and then I, I do also take insurance. So I will say uh, insurance for private practice dietitians here in Michigan is not ideal. Um, it's pretty, it's actually kind of tough. So there's not a lot of insurance coverage. 
Um, however, I, I do take the, ins- I do take the insurances that are, that are, um, that are out there that are available. So for those clients that wanted to use insurance, I just had to tell them, you know, we need to look and see if they cover telehealth. If they don't, uh, I will get you scheduled for right when I get back. And then all my other clients, my private pay clients, we just switched to telehealth. So. And did that all work pretty seamlessly for you? Did it kind of all work out? It was a lot, I will say, um, because it, in Florida, it was busy. It was really busy. Were you working all day in Florida for those 50 days? Yes. So we were there. Um, yeah, we were there pretty much all day, most days. I think we got one or two days off. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So it was really what I would do is I would just schedule the calls at night, like um, like 7 or 8 p.m. And so they would just be working and then I would have have the calls later on. And thankfully, I, most people were understanding and they just said, oh, we'll just wait till you till you get back or, um, you know, I just need to do a quick phone call with you. Most people were pretty understanding about it. So how many private practice clients do you kind of see on a weekly average? It, you know, it really depends. Um, I average anywhere from, you know, some weeks if it's slow, I'll have, I might have three and other weeks, you know, probably the most I've seen is in, in one week is probably eight. Oh, wow. That's a yeah. lot. And it's, you know, it's, it's not, it's not the same as, um, others that are completely in private practice where they're seeing eight per day. You know, I'm not that busy. Um, but, and that's, that's a lot of that's because I, I don't have the availability. Um, mm-hmm. you know, when, when I block out my schedule, my day is, if I'm at the baseball field, my day is full from, you know, 11 to, to 11, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. pretty much. So that limits my availability. When the weeks that I'm, I'm not with the team, when they're traveling, I have a lot more. So those are the weeks that I'm seeing a lot more clients. So that's why it kind of depends. Do you have an office space that you have? I do. Yeah. So I actually, when I, when I was getting started, I, that was a big thing. I was like, man, I don't know. And that, that is a really hard decision. So in this, this will be advice too for dietitians out there that want to start a private practice. Um, I, I didn't know how busy I was going to be. Right. So I didn't want, I didn't want a lot of startup costs. I didn't want to be paying a bunch of money. Um, so I looked around for quite a bit. I actually looked, I did my research. I looked at private spaces. I looked at renting. Um, I was actually looking to possibly rent out another private practice dietitian space for when she wasn't there. Because at that point, I was still working full time. So I would only be seeing clients, you know, at night, like probably 5 p.m. and after. And that was when she was gone because that was um, her private practice was her full time. So it would have been I would have come in when she was leaving. So I looked at doing that. And then I looked at a couple of spaces where you can like rent by month. Um, what I ended up landing on is I, I have a, it's almost like a shared office space. Um, and it's where my mail goes. So the biggest thing when you get started in private practice, if you take insurance is you have to have a physical location for mail and, um, you know, that kind of thing specifically for, uh, that sort of correspondence between insurance companies. Yeah. And so I found an office space that you can have your mail sent there. And then they have sort of these shared rooms, these shared like conference rooms. So it's super easy. All I do is I have my mail there and then there's two um, private office spaces where you can see clients and they just say, um, all I do is I just call 
the, the there's a woman that that um, manages the whole thing. So I just call her and I say, I need the room on this day from this time to this time. And then it's all mine. So there's obviously advantages and disadvantages to that. The advantages is it's, it's, it's pretty cheap. Um, I do not have a lot of costs in my office. Um, it, it is a month by month rent. So if I decide I don't like I, if I decide I want to go get a private space, then I just tell them and I, I'm out of that for that month and then I can just switch everything over. Um, the disadvantages, it's not, I would say it's not as um, like homey feeling because like I've been in other private practice dietitian spaces and, you know, they have, they have their book, all their books there. They have, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? They have couches, they have plants, yeah. like, like a therapist's office. That's the one that's the disadvantage I feel like. And I will probably at some point end up switching to that uh, right now, just because I'm, because I'm not seeing tons of clients on a daily basis. I will continue where I'm at um, to save on costs and that kind of thing. But eventually I will probably switch to more of a private office space because it is kind of a hassle. Like I, I literally like lug books with me and oh, take, sure. yeah, take things back and forth. So it would be more conducive to have my own space where I can put my books and, and that kind of thing. That's a great, it's, I never knew anything like that existed. So for those people starting out that again, don't want that overhead cost. That's a perfect situation. Yeah, it was, it was great. And I just, I really liked the, the woman that manages the office. She was really open to, you know, when they're really busy is like um, around tax time, they have like accountants that, that use the space oh, sure. and that kind of thing. So, um, and I've, I've never had an issue with being like double booked. It's always available. Um, so if that is an option for people that just want to get started, I would say that's um, a great option. And then you build from there, you know, you figure out from there if you need more space or if you're good there for a while, it's a good way to save some money too. And, and, and just get started, get your feet wet. Yeah. And know that there's easy ways to do it with that kind of stuff. So exactly. Yep. Yeah. So when you think about it, so you're seeing clients, so your clients are all age groups. You're doing middle school, you're doing high school, you're doing collegiate athletes too. Uh, do you like the variety? Are you liking the different, because there's a lot of, you have to know a lot of different things about each of those age groups. Yeah, I do. And when I work with, I will say, when I work with um, like middle schools or high schools, what I'm typically doing is um, usually I'm going to them. So what that looks like is a, a team will reach out to me and say, um, just for, for as an example, um, here in Michigan, the Michigan High School Athletic Association, they require uh, res all wrestling teams. So all middle schools and high schools have to take a um, like a nutrition, they have to have a new, some sort of nutrition training at the beginning of the season. Oh. Yeah. And that's just because of the, that's awesome. yeah, because, and I'm sure, you know, the disordered eating that goes on with those weight class oh. sports. Sure. Yeah. It's terrible. So, um, they are required to do that. So what was happening this year was I actually did one of those presentations, um, to uh, a school in the D Detroit area. And then from there, people kind of found out that, I was around and that I was doing that. So I ended up doing a, a few other schools, um, just, just that nutrition piece for them, which then they were able to go back to the MHSAA and say, Hey, uh, we had a dietitian come in. Here's your presentation. Now we're good. We can check that off. 
Um, and then from there, that's usually when I typically will get other clients. Like for example, um, usually what happens is I, I, I depending on the age group, I ask parents to be there. Uh, because if they're the ones making the, the food decisions in the house, I want the parents to be there too. And then um, what has happened from that, like doing those kind of group talks, if the parents are there as they say, oh, I want you to work with my son individually or my daughter individually. And then that's when kind of they might come to my office or we do a phone call or something like that. And I work with both of them. So, um, so the middle school, high school thing is more, I, usually I'm doing more group talks. And it's the parents are normally there. Uh, the I have had a couple um, college athletes that are going to like a, a small school, like like Lansing Community College or something like that. Um, and so, you know, that that those that age group is more like the guys I work with right now with the baseball team like that, you know, 18 to like 23 year old. So that's pretty easy for me. That's kind of I know that pretty well. Um I have worked a lot. That kind of your spot, like those collegiate athletes, probably the most. Um, I would say high school and and that college age. I, I really, I really do like working with the high school athletes because it's it's still kind of an untapped thing. Um, you know, their sports nutrition has grown a ton in the last. I mean, geez, even two or three years, it's grown so much, and we are now finding. Um, more and more younger sports dietitians want to work in high schools because it's, there's not a lot of people utilizing dietitians in that way. And because sports are becoming more and more specialized, more parents are saying, I want, you know, I want my kid to be the best at this. And so we need to do everything in our power to make him or her the best at this. And now nutrition is, is getting tied into that with, you know, with strength and conditioning and with practice and, and, um, you know, maybe they have to do like PT or that kind of thing. So uh, there's a lot more interest in working with high schools. So I think it's just growing a lot. People are, are catching on to we need to look at this from the whole aspect from what they're eating to, you know, the work they're putting out. So um, so yeah, I would say high school to high school and, and college is probably um, who I work with the most, but then I also do adults. So like I might have somebody training for a marathon that comes to me and they're like, which, which I do know very well because, um, I used to run marathons. So that too, I, I can tie into, um, I can connect with those people pretty well because I've, I've been there and I've done that. Um, so helping them, you know, figure out how much should they be drinking during their training runs? What should they be eating? You know, what should they eat post run? That kind of thing. And then my other sort of area of expertise and, and passion is with gymnastics. Obviously, just being a gymnast, um, I have worked a lot with with youth gymnasts uh, in the group setting and um, individually. And again, if they are young, um, I always have parents there. So if they're even if they're in high school, if they're getting ready to go to college, um, if they're you know eighteen, I ask the parent to come too, just so that the parent is involved in kind of what's going on um especially again if they're making the food decisions if they're doing the grocery shopping they're cooking the parents have to be involved so that's those are kind of the spots that i i those are the clients i see the most kind of those age groups when did you have time to run marathons? so (laughs) 
I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking of all the things you've done. And I'm like, when did she have time to run marathon? Yeah. So I, um, it's, it's kind of good and bad. So when I, in the depths of my eating disorder, um, like, like a lot of people, I picked up running, um, not for a good reason, not, not for health, you know, um, but I got, I became sure. very good at it. <laughs> um, so of course yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah. So when I, when I was in my internship, I started, I was running more um, and became, like I said, I, I got pretty, pretty good at it. I could run quite a bit. I, um, and I got really involved in running actually when I ended up moving to North Carolina. So I joined a, there was a, um, a little running store there called off and running. And they did like, like group runs and they had uh, groups that would get together and go biking and do that kind of thing. And I ended up getting involved in that and I absolutely loved it. And that was a group that would um, do training runs together. And, um, you know, everybody was talking about training for marathons and this and that. And it was never even a thought in my mind. I was just kind of running to run. And there was one day I was out for a run and this, this, it was actually this man ran up next to me and he's like, do you, are you training for something? And I was like, no, I just kind of run because I, you know, just kind of got into it. And he was like, well, you should definitely do a marathon. And he was like, there's a marathon and you're going to think I'm crazy. But I was like, he said, there's a marathon in two weeks in Charlottesville, Virginia. You should do it. And I was like, oh yeah, okay, whatever. Well, so we kind of, we were kind of running next to each other and kind of chatting for a minute. And he was like, well, he was asking me, how long have you ran? And I was like, oh, the longest is probably like, I think I've done like 15 miles or something. And he was like, do one more long run and then go do this marathon. And I was like, okay, whatever. So I couldn't get that out of my mind that, oh, I can actually run a marathon. And so that next weekend I ended up doing, I ran 20 miles and I was like, okay, that really wasn't too bad. And the only reason I'm saying that is because I had just been running so much that, um, you know, part of marathon training is just getting used to being on your feet for that long. It's not so much the endurance or it's really just getting your body used to being act, being moving for that, that long period of time. So then I ended up signing up and I did the marathon and um, I loved it. I mean, it was obviously hard, but I, I absolutely loved it. And that was one that I, you know, I didn't really train for. I didn't really pay attention to my time. I literally didn't even wear a watch. So I had no idea what was like, what was yeah, just running. running. And I was like, I'm just going to do this to do it. So then I um, ended up, uh, that's when I really got involved in that running group. So I was, I, I came back, got more involved in that running group and then ended up actually starting to train. And I did four more marathons after that. And it's been a while since I've done one now, but um, yeah, I, I used to, I used to run a lot more. Now I do more than just run. I try to be um, more balanced. You know, I'm doing more like weightlifting and I do some yoga and I try to be a little bit more balanced with my activity. Oh my gosh. You are like, you're just surprising me. Everything you tell me. I love this. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's crazy or. <laughs> no, you just, you find things that you're passionate about and that you enjoy. And that's the only way you discover if you like things is if you do it. So. Oh, absolutely. It's awesome that you just try it out and not, too scared about it and you just do it yeah i mean i i really do try to um if if i'm interested in something i try not to let things scare me i mean there definitely are things that are scary like starting a private practice um that was super scary but i just tell people if you have an interest in something and you want to try it don't don't look at 
how long it's going to take you to get there. Or don't look at the end result. Think You have to think, literally take one step at a time, one teeny tiny step at a time. And that's, that's literally how I've done my private practice. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, all I did was every single day, I would do one small thing, whether it was you know, getting on legal zoom or whether it was, you know, know, just doing one small thing every day to kind of get yourself going. Uh, that was my goal was, um, and that literally, I I literally wrote that out. So I think it was 2017 because I started my private practice in 2016. So I think it was like December 31st, 2016. I wrote on a piece of paper, do one thing every day for my private practice. And so that was one of my goals for the year was to, to not let, not let it slip away and make sure that I was doing, even if it was one teeny tiny little thing, like reading an article, um, you know, just putting in the effort every single day. And that's, that's how you have to look at it as small steps. It's the same thing with marathon training. You can't think about the end result and, and getting past the finish line. I mean, you can, cause that's, it's an awesome feeling, but you have to enjoy the process too and put work, a little bit of work in every day. Well, and it's kind of like healing yourself from an eating disorder too. You know, putting in that work just one thing, keep notching away at it so you can heal. Absolutely. Yep. That is very true. You it's kind of the mantra of your life, I think, in all all aspects. Even like doing your house. <laughs> Do one thing <laughs> every day. <laughs> Yeah, and that's actually not one thing that's not happening right now. We're not doing something every day. We should be, but we're not. Maybe that'll be the next for 2000, maybe 19. You can be like, okay, yeah. let's just do like one thing every day for the house. I know, and I keep telling my husband, I'm like, once this is done, we might have to hire somebody to clean our house because we just don't have time. Yeah, which sounds horrible. I would do that. Horrible. Yeah. No, but sometimes, well, like, when you get. When you get busy, sometimes it's just those little things that you can hire out are very helpful. <laughs> oh, well, like I said in my presentation, time's our biggest currency. So if you can find ways to give yourself an increase in your paycheck, you should definitely do it. <laughs> Absolutely. And I I never realized that until until I think until I got further in my career and started doing more how in how precious time is and how important it is not only because it goes by very, very fast, but because the more you get involved with the less of it, you feel like you have, even though we all have the same 24 hours in a day, we all spend it differently. Um, Mm -hmm. And when you, you know, one thing that I've realized about myself is um, with all that I'm doing, I, I am giving a lot to other people, which is great. That's what I absolutely love. Um, but that's really what I do all day. Um, I don't, I haven't been taking a ton of time, um, for, for self, for that self care, except for, like I said, that one day, maybe, like I said, I try every week. It doesn't always happen. Um, but that finding that time, even if it's five minutes is so important. And that's one thing I'm trying to do. Even if I'm at the baseball field, I try to, you know, maybe just get away for five minutes and go for a little walk or something. Um, but when you said that in your presentation, I was nodding my head like, oh my gosh, she is spot on because the time is the time factor. And like I said, I didn't realize it until I got a little bit older and further in my career, that time piece is really important. It is. And that's like, I think as all dietitians, we just are so excited about our career and we want to work and we want to do anything, everything and try everything. And then, 
you kind of get to that point, you're like, okay, well, I can't do everything. Mm-hmm. So I need to kind of reel it back and, and kind of give back to yourself and take that time for yourself. Yes, I agree with that. I am the classic dietitian. I have a hard time saying no. Um, want to help, want to do everything, want to help everybody. But um, that was one thing I told myself this year was I was going to try to be, especially with just everything I have going on, I was going to try to be better with, with saying no to things that really, um, you know, and for me, it's things that I'm really not going to be able to put up 100% into. I don't want to do things, you know, halfway. I, if I'm going to do something, I want to be able to put all of my time into it. And um, right now that means saying no to some things. Yes. I heard a, I listened to a podcast a long time ago and the person was talking about if you can't say hell yes to it, like you're a hundred percent in, then it's a hell no. And yep. I, I kind of live by that because that's so true. If you can't give it a hundred percent, then you really shouldn't do it. That's great. Yeah. There was um, that same conference that you spoke at last year. We had a woman that um, had opened her own um gym like fitness uh facility but she does she does more she does like what i don't know if she does like motivational speaking or what she does but she was great she spoke um and she she kind of had some of the same the same messages that you did and one thing she said about saying no which i loved is um if you're having a hard time saying no to somebody uh you can you can tell them not it's not it's not no forever it's just no right now which i love that too yeah yeah. yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna soak that in because that's a because yeah, it's not that you're saying no forever. You just might need some time to come back around to it. Exactly. Yeah. So, but I like that. I like that other one too. That it's it's not a hell yes. Yeah, it's great. And it's a hell no. Yeah. <laughs> we'll check back in with each other in like a year, and we'll see how we're doing with that. Yeah, we should. <laughs> that would be so interesting. I definitely want to talk to you after uh, baseball season to kind of just check in to see how you think it went and because you are going to be busy, busy for the next few months. And it's exciting. I'm excited for you for that opportunity because it's kind of fitting right into your contract work and with your private practice. Yes, it is. It's, it's very fun. I will say it's it's um, it, it was a goal of mine to work with either a collegiate team or a professional team. So it does fit right in with with um, what I want to be doing and it, um, you know, it's great experience, obviously. And it's just fun. It's really fun. It's been a really good experience. Be outside. <laughs> yeah. Not always. Sometimes I'm stuck in the, the depths of the, the stadium, in but the, in the facility. Yeah. yeah I bet but you I do. But I, I do, like I said, I do try to get out and go for like a little walker. And even last night at the game, I, I went up to, I went up top and watched a couple innings. Cause I, I think that's important too. You have to know what your athletes do. You have to know how they move. You have to know what the game looks like. You know, you can't, you, you have to get that perspective too. You can't just be in the bottom, in the bottom of the stadium. I mean, you want to, you want to get that, that real life experience, like what they, what the guys are actually doing. So I try to do that once in a while too. So last night I did take it a little bit of time and watched a couple innings. So that's like a good, I like that advice because I mean, like for you, I mean, you never played baseball, so it's not like you're very familiar with the sport. So that is probably true. You have to go out and kind of witness it, look at your athletes, kind of see how they move. Yep, exactly. Yep. Hmm, interesting. Well, I know, I know you're busy and I, I don't want to, I could talk to you all day probably. So <laughs> I have to end with my fun questions since I asked you all these serious questions. And I'm so grateful. Are you sharing all your experiences so far? But 
Can you tell me, share with me your favorite food? Oh, I saw those questions. I was like, that's so hard. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> so I w- I'll start with probably my favorite like m- meal. If I were to go, um, so I, right now I'm just thinking how my life is right now. Like when I don't, I, I try to take food with me, but if I, if I just have a, a day that's busy and I, I can't, um, I love getting um, like Mediterranean or Middle Eastern type food. So like, hummus and pita, tabbouleh. I, I'm not a huge fan of chicken shawarma, but like they have, you know, the chicken kebabs. I, that is, mm-hmm. I could eat that like every day for lunch. Um, so yeah, that, so healthy. Yeah, it's so good. That would be like probably my favorite like meal if I'm going out. Otherwise, like one of my favorite foods is probably peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> you can't go wrong with peanut butter. <laughs> no. But, it, but you should also have a healthy amount of it every day. And some days I, I, I go overboard, but that's a, that's another good point is, is to be, be compassionate with yourself. If you do eat too much peanut butter, it's fine. Yeah. You're going to be okay. Yeah. That's so true. <laughs> do you have a favorite beverage? Um, yes. So first thing in the morning, I love a really good cup of coffee. Um, I do love that. I, I'm not somebody that drinks coffee all day. I usually have one one cup right in the morning, but it's like right when I wake up and it just gets me going. Um, so it has to be a really good cup of coffee. And <clears throat> I do enjoy a really good beer. So my husband and I like to try different beers. You know, we live in Michigan where Grand Rapids is the, yeah. the brewery capital of the, I don't know if it's, it, they have tons of breweries. Um, so we like to go and try <laughs> different beers. So I do like to try a good beer. Do you have a favorite? Beer? Oh, so there is a small um, brewery in Williamston, Michigan, and they make a beer called M43. It's a IPA, but it's like it's like citrusy. It's really good. It's really good on a summer day. I'll have to try it if I get back yeah, to Michigan. You for should. sure. For sure. What's your favorite color? I really enjoy like a light um, yellow color. Um, that was one thing when I was telling you earlier, my husband was surprising me with, with doing some, some things in our house. When I got back, he had redone. We have this, this um, I don't know if it's the living room or the family room. I really don't know the difference in those two, which is horrible. But then we have one room that's in like the front of our house <laughs> that doesn't, it doesn't have a TV. It just kind of has some, has like a couch and it's, there's big windows that look outside and um, we haven't really been utilizing that room because we do have another room that has the TV and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So with that room, he actually um, painted it this very light, like pastel yellow color that I absolutely love. Aww. Yeah. And now I'm like hanging out in there. Like I, I, when I get time, I sit there in the morning and I read and yeah, it's perfect. It's like my favorite room Coffee. now. Yes, exactly. Oh, that's, that is so sweet. What a thoughtful thing for him to do. Yes. So that's probably my favorite color. Do you have a favorite scent? Um, I really love uh, just growing up in Michigan. Uh, we, My grandparents lived up, up again, up north, not the UP, but north. Um, mm-hmm. And just, I think, the smell of bonfire, being around a bonfire. It just reminds you of being with family and like, you know, roasting marshmallows. Um you know, laughter, having fun, that kind of thing. So probably the smell of just bonfire and like camping, that kind of smell. Oh, I love that. I love that too. It's just such a good cozy feeling. Yes, it is. 
And what brings you joy in life? Um, I would say my, obviously my family. Um, my sister has uh, three little girls. So they are amazing. Yeah. So it's the most fun being an aunt. Um, I love being an aunt. So they bring me joy, obviously. Um, the rest of my family, I'm, I'm a really big daddy's girl. So I, um, whenever I get to hang out with my dad, just him and I, um, we, we have lots of fun and, uh, he brings me lots of joy. And then obviously my husband, we have a dog, we have a black lab, uh, who is fantastic. She's, she's a great dog. So, um, I love just, we, we love, we have a little park, um, down the road from us. So honestly, what brings me joy on like, if I have time on like a, um, I don't know, maybe like a, a Sunday afternoon would be taking our dog to that park and just walking around the trails, being out in nature, that kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> I love reading a good book. I don't have tons of time right now to read. Um, and more the reading I've been doing more lately has been more um, educational type reading. Uh, but, sure. but the way I really kind of disconnect from work is reading a book that is has nothing to do with <laughs> nutrition or anything. Yes. <laughs> just a good, a good book that you can kind of get lost in that brings me truly, that truly, that brings me joy. Um, and then traveling. I love to travel. We, again, we don't get to travel a whole ton, a whole bunch right now, but when we do, uh, we love going to Costa Rica. We've been to Panama. Um, we, we really enjoy traveling when we can. So you're adventurous too. I love that. Yeah, I wish we could be more so, but in our lives right now, it's just it's just hard. Yeah, but yeah, you you have a you have time, so you have you can schedule some of those. Hopefully, when you start kind of finding a happy medium with all the new changes in your life, then yeah. you can start scheduling some time for Hopefully, you. Hopefully, yes. And I that's another good <laughs> point of advice is try to schedule that time to get away, especially if you have it. <laughs> Even if it is a walk in the park with your exactly. dog, it's very important. Exactly. <laughs> well, thank you so much for chatting with me today. And again, we're going to follow up. I always tell everybody this at the end of my podcast. I'm like, I know we're going to have to touch base again in like a year and check in and see how things are going with you. Perfect. I would love to. I got a lot out of my conversation with Allison. I think we may have been able to talk a little bit longer, but she's so candid about her personal story as well as her professional story. And these are conversations that humanize us as dietitians. And that's why it's great to show that we are real people too. I also thought the information she provided about starting a private practice was excellent. And I know she would be really willing to share more of her experiences, her tips and tricks with anyone else who might be wanting to do this themselves. She's a great new friend who kind of feels like an old friend, and I look forward to connecting with her again. Today's episode is sponsored by Gnarly Pepper and their fantastic dip mixes. This week, I added the veggie dip mix to my eggs when I was making an omelet, and it was like the perfect seasoning I think I could have had on my omelet. You can get the mixes in large bags or these individual tear packets, which are very convenient. So you can just use what you need. And for more information, you can go to gnarlypepper.com where you can purchase your favorite flavor, but you can also go to Amazon and get it there. My website, annelizabethardy.com, is where you can read my latest weekly wisdom blog posts that I write. 
and release on Wednesdays. I share my current adventures, food I'm eating, some music I'm listening to at the gym. I might also include a really delicious Real Deal recipe that I'm proud that I actually made and it tasted good. And I also like to share what I'm loving right now. You will find all my previous podcasts, show notes, and links to things we talked about during my conversations with my favorite people. And you can also purchase my book from the website. Please connect with me on social media by finding me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest at Anne Elizabeth RD. Remember to be great always, find the joy in each day, and to start a conversation that truly matters.